supervised 86 of the book wars pod <laughs> um kate is in greece or in the air i think probably right now she but, is she um, is in the air very likely somewhere over the atlantic ocean depending on her flight's path i know her layover was in england so it's possible that she went ooh. like super north and she's somewhere over like nova scotia right now so who knows but probably still over the ocean just off the coast coastal ocean yeah I newfoundland the, the I hope she's drunk area. on free wine. Yo, she's passed out. She she doesn't even stay awake long enough to get, get drunk on flights. Wine. That's fair. Literally, that's we had like free great. drink coupons on like a Southwest flight once. I don't even remember why. Is they fucked something up, and so we had free drink coupons, and uh, like literally, I had to like hold Kate's coupon and order it for her because she was asleep. Did you use it for yourself? No, I'm a good. Oh, good husband. I Yeah, I was going to say, I, th- I want to say fiancé at the time. I was oh. a good fiancé. I got her her airplane gin and tonic. Did she uh, eventually drink it? Yes, she did eventually drink it. That's good. Quinn just likes to say when I'm asleep, I'll just take hers. <laughs> She'll take one too. <laughs> That's what I do with and, the snacks. And, and then he eats it. <laughs> That's what I do with the snacks, yeah. Yeah. Well, only um, if they're good snacks, though. Like, if they're the, like, the cookies that United gives you that are surprisingly good, those I'll take. If it's, like, pretzels, I'll usually leave those. Um, Speaking of cookies, are you drinking? I am drinking because I just got back from a massive dinner at the Cheese Place. Have you been to Cheese Teak? No. Is that a thing before you left? What the fuck is Cheese Teak? <laughs> Miranda, do you know it? I have no idea what that is. Oh, interesting. It was, maybe it's a Virginia-focused thing. Yeah, but it's but like, I definitely did not care. It's like a cheese shop slash restaurant where, like, the dishes are all, like, you know, they have, like, really nice cheese. So it's, like, they have a lot of grilled cheese sandwiches. I got a cheesesteak with some really nice cheese. We got a really nice cheese board, obviously. Uh, so the, the Cedars are in town, and this, and Kate is not, which means I can actually eat cheese because Kate is lactose intolerant. So I'm really living my best life. But (laughs) this is all to say that I ate an incredibly heavy and rich dinner and then got home and decided I hate myself and poured myself bourbon. Hell yeah. Also, that place sounds terrible. Oh, it's so good. It's so (laughs) good. It's all right. If Bria ever listens to this episode, she'll back me up. It's like one of her favorite places. Where is it? Um, The original is in Sherlington, but Mm -hmm. there's now one in Boston. they're, They're like all over Northern Virginia now. Okay. No, I never ventured to those parts of Virginia because, you know. You never ventured south. Never ventured southwest to the Potomac. Uh, I mean, I never ventured south of like the Target and Potomac Yard. That's that's fair. That's fair. It's a good Target. It's a Great solid Target. target. <laughs> I saw I saw Avengers Endgame this weekend at Potomac Yard. Ooh. Um, we didn't see that because. I mean, I was going to say, do you, do you plan to? Uh, I'm probably not going to anytime in the near future. 
I'll probably start reading spoilers in the next few days and like figure out what the movie was about. Yeah, it was. I actually really, as somebody who doesn't particularly care about Avengers other than like enjoying the movies, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. That's awesome. Thank you for that helpful feedback, Chris. Because nerd shit, you know. Yeah. Um, do you do you watch Game of Thrones or do you just eschew every yeah. cultural touchstone of our time? Hell yeah, Miranda watches Game of Thrones. I'm not caught up, but you know. Did you watch Did you watch last night's Miranda? I did. So for I don't know what day this episode is going to come out, but we are recording the day after Game of Thrones dropped the Battle of Winterfell. Yes. And I won't spoil it, but it was super lit, and we stand a legend. Uh, we came away with very different conclusions from that episode. We okay. we do stay in a legend. We stay in a legend. I so I did not really tweet about this significantly because I'm not into like yucking other people's yum. But you're listening to a podcast that I'm on, so now you're a captive audience. I'm not going to spoil it. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was like one of the worst hours of television I've watched in recent memory. Wow. I it was just so badly written and so badly directed and filmed. I oh, was, yeah, there, there's some I was deeply like, problematic things about that episode. I will absolutely agree with you. The fact that but. you couldn't see 70% of it comes uh, to mind. Minor, minor details. You don't need to see things. It's just, it they was, happen. It was, just just trust us. It was it was bad. It was bad. If there um, weren't only four episodes left, I would on it. I, I honestly don't know that I would force myself to continue watching this season because it hasn't <laughs> been good. Um, All right. That's my soapbox. I'm done. Chris, what bourbon are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking my beloved... Uh, one eight distilling untitled number 13 yum yes if you've he's had that on the pod before i have i'm gonna really have to try to rein us in here because kate's not here and you guys just go the fuck off yes um (laughs) um oh uh actually official pod business since we're talking about when this drops um the i don't remember what it's called chris (laughs) the thing i'm gonna need more than that christian the thing that's coming out tomorrow (laughs) Oh, yes. So tomorrow or two days ago, as of when this dropped, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost, the new audio drama from to partnership with Delray Publishing and Penguin Audio, I want to say, um, but written by Kevin Scott uh, of upcoming Project Luminous fame. Uh, it's an audio drama about Count Dooku and Ventress and how Dooku originally turned to the dark side. It looks fucking lit, unlike the Battle of Winterfell. And you should all buy it on Audible or, you know, free sample it or whatever, but support it because it's a really cool new medium and we're excited about it. And the only way they're going to make more is if people buy it. Yes, we'll talk more about that um, probably next time because maybe some of us will have listened to it. Probably not going to talk about it in a Book Wars pod context just yet. Um, We may eventually. I think Uh, our, our we can we can chat. Off, we can chat off pod. We can chat off pod about. I think it. our plan is to eventually is to talk about it as part of the pod. Yeah, um, but you know, stay stay tuned for our initial screaming that we do in the beginning of pods. If any of us listen to it between um, now and the next pod you hear, which is likely because it's us. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> what are you and, two drinking? Uh, go ahead, Miranda. What are you drinking? Okay, I am drinking an ex novo. Marion berries love Marian, it like the Marion kind because it is a gosa style ale with Marion berry and raspberry ex novo is a local brewery here in portland obviously um 
is this the one that does really good shit? The beer can says, do good, drink beer. Uh, oh, yeah. They do shit in the community, yes. What she said. There's no tasting description. Um, I've had this one before. It's very tasty. It tastes like berries and Love it. Gosa-style Gosa ale. <laughs> Love it. Beer for life. Um, yes. I am drinking a Washington beer that I have not had before. Um, it's called Matchless, is the brewery. Um, and this beer is called the Falls DDH Pale Ale, um, which I just think is like double hop, double dry hopped pale ale. Um, we've got Citra, Amarillo, Mosaic Hops, Malt is Pilsner, and Carafoam. Um, yeast is their flagship yeast. Descriptors, bright, dry, citrus. Um, and this is out of Tumwater, Washington. Uh, so I'm excited to try this. It caught my eye. I love a, I love a dry hop. I love a pale. Um, and this beer is called the falls. So I'm going to try it. And it nice. has a picture of a waterfall on the can, which I'm pretty sure is why she bought it. Fuck I mean, off, Miranda. <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, I'm not here to judge that. I just think we should take it into consideration. All right. Slight tangent. Do you guys remember when a DC brewery, I want to say it was three star, but I could be making that up, but they made a beer with like Marion berries in it and they called it beer for life after his honor, Marion Barry. Um, and, then, I, and then he like sued them. It was really funny. It was a whole thing. Like, yeah. I do not remember this, but that's the greatest beer name I've ever heard. It was, it was when we were in college, I want to say, because I don't remember trying said beer before they got sued. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> but then what brewery would have been when we were in college? Nothing was open. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Stay tuned. Maybe I'll look it up and tell you as your beer correspondent. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so should we Star War? Let's Star War. Ooh, actually, no. Hang on. I have one. I have one note just to to help our listeners just picture picture the scene. So, as as we said, Kate is not here. I am home alone. Uh, without supervision and what you all know is you guys hear the shit that i get for being in the squeaky chair or not talking into the mic or all this other shit what you don't know is that kate has the premium setup for herself like computer screens facing her she gets the really comfy chair like the mic is near her i am stuck like in a shitty like folding patio chair that's like a foot off the ground like craning my neck to reach the mic and so right now i am just living it up leaning back in this very comfy office chair uh enjoying my bourbon and really just living the high life and i wanted to share that with with you our listeners congrats chris um Thank you. also don't you not have this problem anymore because uh there is you yes, now we have two mics. Now. now we have a sound mixer. But it <laughs> but was a problem until chair. now. Exactly. I still have the good chair. chair. I get to lean back. It's wonderful. So um, also in terms of schedule as to when we're recording this, uh, this past weekend was awesome con. Unfortunately, Kristen and I were not able to attend because it is not close to here. But uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on how the panels went? It was it was great. It was super fun. Uh so this is Kate and I's second year at AwesomeCon uh, and our second year also hosting a panel 
discussing basically what we talk about here in the Book Wars pod, but in a more general sense. Uh, we were joined this year, as we mentioned before the panel, uh, in the lead up by Bria Lavornia, our uh, editor and friend from Tashi Station, and by E.K. Johnston, the author of Ahsoka and Queen Shadow. And we it was we had a really great discussion. Our panel was at kind of a weird time. It was like 8.30 on a Saturday night for some reason. But we actually had a really good turnout, um, really engaged crowd, asked a lot of good questions. And it was just a lot of fun. You know, can't say enough about E.K. Johnston, who is, you know, in addition to a phenomenal writer and a tremendous Star Wars nerd, just the nicest person you'll ever meet. Um, and she, you know, was kind enough to do our panel and was great and is just an, an incredibly nice person. So shout out to her, E.K. underscore Johnston on Twitter. And she is a great follow. Kate was on a couple other panels. Uh, in addition to ours, she was on the uh, representation in Star Wars panel uh, moderated by Bria, as well as a toxicity in fandom panel, uh, which was an experience that I will tell you guys about off pod. Um, and then I was also on a panel moderated by Bria about does the galaxy need the Jedi? So that was a lot of fun. So yeah, shouts to Awesome Con, shouts to Bria for, you know, kind of managing a bunch of the Star Wars programming this year. Shouts to E.K. Johnston and shouts to uh, our listeners and those of you who came up to say hi. If you're a new listener, uh, welcome to the pod. I'm sorry. There's still time to get out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I'm glad it went well. It's always nice when when you get when, you know, the hard work that Kate and Chris put in um turns into a fucking panel that's just amazing so um and it's awesome when we get to to meet you guys and all that fun stuff so i know i haven't met any of you because i'm a dumb mouth breather and don't go to things but (laughs) that's awesome con (laughs) i hate you miranda oh my god um yeah i really need to rein the two of you in um what are we like 20 minutes in have we talked about the book yet now we're gonna talk about star wars the books Oh, it's funny because we're not talking about the book yet because we have this this next topic. So before we get started with Battlefront Twilight Company uh, by Alexander Freed, which we're very excited about, and our lack of talking about it so far is in no way related to our opinions on the book. But we did get a request from Tyler Titsmagee himself, uh, who asked us to talk a little bit about this, you know, uh, go back to a recurring segment that I like to call what the fuck did Marvel do this time? Fuck Marvel, TM. Oh my God, they're the worst. So as our longtime listeners or mid-length listeners know, we do not read Marvel on the podcast because uh, for a few reasons, but mainly because the people in charge of Marvel are very racist and up to and including their editor-in-chief, C.B. Zabolski. There's plenty on the internet to learn about that and the senior editor of Star Wars comics, Mark Panacea, I think is the way you say his name. Um, They're just, they're really racist and not good people and, you know, comics gators and all that shit. Um, This week, the, uh, or last week, I guess, as you listen to this, they came out with a new issue of Vader Dark Visions, which is a miniseries that's running right now, which was just incredibly gross. I don't want to recap it now to because it was just really gross it was violence against women was portrayed it really mocked fangirls and any female fans 
who it, like the, the concept of female power fantasies it was just it was just really gross and done in a really mocking way um and it's just a sign that marvel once again does not have any women in the editing process clearly um this book itself was already controversial because the author um whose name i don't remember right now comic uh, series not book but keep going just to... comic series yeah <laughs> the author of this comic series uh mini series was this was this actually a replacement series after they unceremoniously fired chuck wendig for his political opinions uh and you know basically telling racists to go fuck themselves and this gentleman decided to step in in behavior that i'm sure some might describe as scab like i don't know what others would describe it as um some some not me why would i why would i noted noted uh labor agitator noted union champion <laughs> noted noted union thug um uh but so anyway this was already a pretty controversial book because he just unceremoniously replaced chuck it sounds and this was just you know, a completely thoughtless and really grossly done issue toward any female fans of Star Wars. And, you know, there's not a lot else that we can do aside from, you know, continue to not read or promote Marvel's work, which is a shame because some of it's really good. Um, but, you know, we wanted to tell listeners about it because this shit should not stand. And, you know, nothing is going to change while the C.B. Sapolsky's and Mark panaceas of the world are in power at marvel and you know hopefully that changes at some point hopefully the story group and whoever they work with at lucasfilm takes a little bit closer hand at these things because i'm not really sure what happened there um but yeah it was just really gross thanks chris i avoided that like the plague on twitter um, i know honestly so i assumed I you did which is you. why i took that like <laughs> i like didn't mean to just like be monologuing about it but i also assumed that you just avoided it i, As you should I have. did i did on purpose because yeah. i did not want to deal with the fucking bullshit um can we actually talk about the book now yeah let's talk about stuff that we like in star wars because <laughs> this book is lit <laughs> it's so good right it's yeah. so good um so where and when are we Chris, you have to help me. I was going to say, am I answering that? Is Miranda answering that? I know. I know. It literally says in the beginning of the chapters exactly where we are and where and when we are. (laughs) There's lots of mid-rim planets that we have never heard of before. uh, And they all seem kind of shitty uh, and controlled by the Empire. And I will look up their names because I did not have the foresight to write them down. Um, I would argue that maybe they don't matter so much, the names. Um, Chris, have we seen any of them, any, any at all? Um, I don't think new? we have yet for most of them. The one that we do know, which is a fairly prominent planet, is Solist, um, which is the planet that the Stormtrooper, uh, the Lady Stormtrooper serves on. Uh, we've yes. only gotten one chapter of her so far. But Solist is, of course, the home of Nianum the uh, revered co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon and resistance fighter in the sequel trilogy. Uh, it is Celest is where the rebel fleet massed before the battle of Endor. 
Uh, and we're going to get a little bit more from Celeste in this book. So stay tuned. Get lit. The rest of them are literally like no name mid rim planets. It seemed real shitty. But yeah, there's they like. They have names. Marin is like, they have names. I tried to look them up. Hydoral <laughs> uh, Prime is yep. one of them that I remembered and did not have to look up. Um, I did just look one up and I did forget it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I. I think our general story kind of takes place, what, three years after the first Death Star exploded? And yes. of course, there's some uh, flashback chapters to, you know, 13, 15 years after the Clone Wars ended. Um, we can probably get into that a little later, but that's a general overview of the setting so far. Yeah. Um, and then when we get into who we're talking about... Wouldn't you know it, it's a ragtag group of rebels. Sure, sure is a ragtag group of rebels. Just out of, out of curiosity, before we move on from the timeline, do y'all have a sense of what else happened three years after the Death Star exploded? Is that Hoth? It is Hoth. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, because isn't Empire generally like three years after? It is. It is. So notice they are not talking about any attack on Hoth on rebel leadership so far in this book. Just a, just a hint about when we are in the timeline if we're three years after the Death Star, but that has not happened yet. And a hint of what might possibly be coming. Oh, oh uh, so they're going to go to Hoth. <laughs> just potentially. Potentially go to Hoth. It's going to be fucking cold. Okay, because that, that actually was my question, is if it is three years, I'm assuming, I mean, now I know the answer, because you just kind of suggested it, <laughs> but, like, what we've seen so far in this book, in the first seven chapters, is not happening while Hoth is happening, like, somewhere else in the galaxy at the same standard time. Uh, yeah, I'll just say it, because it's, it's going to become clear in, like, the next chapter. Um, yes, that is correct. It is. This is before Hoth happens. That's helpful for me. <laughs> Thank you. Probably also helpful for Miranda, but really helpful for me because I'm a slow reader. Um, cool. So we haven't seen any of these people before. Correct. I, I don't. They're not people. We haven't seen any of these beings before. Some of them are people. Correct. 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 Great. Have we seen any of these various species species before? I've seen humans. I can't say. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, are there any other species that we've seen before? There is. So um, Gadrin, who's the big lizard-like philosophical fella, is a basilisk. Um and we've seen basilisks in a couple different places. There was a basilisk couple in A New Dawn who were the owners of the refinery, if you remember. And also, everyone's favorite diner proprietor from Attack of the Clones is a basilisk. This is extremely helpful information, Chris. You're this so is why, welcome. <laughs> this is why I write, Chris, are there any things that I know already in this <laughs> in this book on like every outline 
because the answer is usually, yes, here's a touch point for you. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars is good like that. And you're great at remembering shit. Um, <laughs> basilisks, uh, and this basilisk that we have met, what's his name? Gadrin? Gadrin. Keep reading in his garden. It's great. Um, <laughs> not my fault. That's how the human brain No, works. yeah, that's that's straight up not your fault. <laughs> um, but he seems cool. Um, he's like the muscle. He's like the Zeb Chewy of the gang, it would appear. Um he fucks people up if needed. He also has many arms. So he does. Spare arms to fuck people up with. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, you know, so far this is like, I think kind of a really different view of the rebellion, uh, of the civil war and all of that than we've seen. Uh, but it still seems to be really character driven. Um, at least so far, uh, obviously there's kind of the guy who's made out to be the, the main dude, his name I remember part of. He has several names so far. He has several names. He has one real name that is in here. Um, Namir something. Yep. Hasrum Namir. Hasrum Namir. Um, he seems to kind of like we see elsewhere in Star Wars, be like this, not necessarily like unwilling servant of the rebellion, but he's somebody who like, is just leading this ragtag group of people like we've seen before. You know, he's got a bounty hunter on his little squad because there's always a fucking bounty hunter in Star Wars. Uh, He's got uh, Gadrin. Like he has some 17-year-old who he just kind of picked up out of a battle on a planet that he didn't want to be on. Um, What's her name? Roach. 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 Yeah. Seven, love little, it. Little 17-year-old crackhead. Yep. Uh, yep. Come on. We love spice. Spice, spice, spice. Uh, I probably had a point, and maybe I will get to it eventually, but I just think it's interesting, especially just to look at... Um, kind of how this book plays out so far because again he is kind of the focal character and so the flashbacks that we get are uh to his like earlier life Uh, and one of the things that really struck me when i was reading it was that he always identifies with like the clans on his home planet like he was fighting under an insurgency like for a warlord and he like he really believed in the cause he left his parents home to go join this to get his food and to fight for you know what i mean he maybe thought was right or at least worth fighting for uh to kind of get a better life for him and then uh, after that failed he went and fought for this other warlord kind of group um but it, the whole time, it seems like he's kind of fighting his own identity or like who he was before. Uh, in one of the, uh, the the flashbacks, he runs into his dad in the alley. That was in the section, right? That was. That was yes. in the section. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, but it seems like he doesn't really feel that to 
the rebel or he doesn't feel the same way about the rebellion and he's just kind of like doing his job and is like trying to get through the battle and on to the next and i don't know if that's a symptom of him just being like in wars for so long or if he just like doesn't know enough about the broader rebellion to kind of care but i just thought it was interesting Agree. And I'm sure Chris is like smirking on the other side of the mic because I'm I'm sure we get a shitload more of this and some of his, some more of his backstory and blah blah blah. Um, oh no, I'm not I'm not smirking at all. I, I I think Miranda, you're really hitting the nail on the head and I like I find it interesting. <laughs> so go ahead and continue, Keeks, then I'll talk. No, no. Um yeah, I didn't have a ton more to, to add to this. Um, as always, things are nonlinear in my brain when it's stressed is not like to organize them. Um, so, you know, but the, I think the writing's really good just to punctuate that a little bit. We did say we really liked this book. I think it, um, I think the, I mean, I think it's just a, a really good read so far. It's the, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautifully written. Yeah, for sure. It's like it's like written like a war story. It's like written like war literature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Miranda, I totally agree. Like, I think it's interesting because like, does Namir even really care about the rebellion? It doesn't really feel like he does at this point. Yeah, and I don't. I assume you've read this before. I have, yes. Yeah, so I like. I mean, as somebody who has not read that far ahead, I don't know if that's something that we're gonna see change necessarily um you know i don't know if he gets new information or learns some new stuff but he seems kind of cynical about a lot of things you know um when they were was it on hydoral prime where they like went into the governor's mansion yep it's like it kind of seemed like he was like well why are we doing this like we don't even know if this is gonna succeed like we're gonna be this is a risk and there's no way to actually know if there are actually hostages in there because we just have like a note that kind of came out and we're just gonna blindly go on this not not to be confused with hostess edge so true very 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 good point Kristen. thank you (laughs) um but yeah no it's it's interesting and like for me the part of that mansion uh, like excursion that was really interesting was when they like passed the busts or whatever. Oh yeah. And he's like, look, some weird looking dudes. Yeah. And everybody else knows exactly who everybody is. Yeah. It's like like, Tarkin, Vader, Count Vidian, like it's like murderers row of, you know, foundational figures of the empire. Mm -hmm. And even like when people are having verbal conversations about some of those, Everybody's freaking the fuck out about Darth Vader, and Amir's just like, "Why? Why? Why do you care so much?" Yeah, he says new phone who dis every time someone mentions Darth Vader, and it makes everyone so upset, and it makes me laugh a lot. I know, right? It's like so fascinating to watch, like the impact of Vader to somebody who doesn't know his legend versus somebody who does. Totally, and it's like it's almost like Vader wants it to be like that not that he wants someone to not fear him but it's like no if you really knew the story you'd know that this is fucked <laughs> right i'm not afraid 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> um, then you'll die braver oh. than most, Miranda. <laughs> you will be. <laughs> you will be. You will be. Um, I thought the fighting in this was very much like reminiscent of the little bit of fighting that we saw in Solo. And that actually made me really happy. Um, but I know this was written before that, right? It was. Can you say more about that? Sure. I just think like the, you know, there's there's a lot of just like shitty trench warfare on shit ass backwater planets and like nobody really knows what the fuck is going on and everything's a hot ass mess. Like it really paints the picture that like sets up how a bunch of smugglers could get <laughs> infiltrated into like the whatever the company that Han was in and steal a bunch of shit and do crazy stuff. Um, and you know, there's a Wookiee chained up and it's just like, I, I really feel like the, um, the picture of war that this paints is like, I see that most, like most in solo, I think of all the Star Wars properties that I've read or seen. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point too. And it goes a little bit back uh, to your point, Chris, about this kind of reading like war literature, but I, I do agree it's like solo in that the the aspects of war that it portrays are so contrary to what we've seen just in all of Star Wars to this point. Because when we look at the movies, we're dealing with like the top brass, we're seeing the grand strategy, we're seeing Leia, uh, you know, try to hold the rebellion together, we're seeing... Bale and Mon Mothma like try to put the rebellion together and it's all been very like top down but this is not that at all it is gritty it is um war it's like super shitty everybody's dying they're desperately trying to kind of keep you know their company Twilight Company fully staffed or even you know staffed enough to be able to fucking complete their missions and we see that nobody has any idea like basically on the ground level of what's going on um there's one instance in the this book and i forget after which battle it was but namir gets mad because he's like why the fuck are we doing this like what's the big picture why are we making these sacrifices why are we taking these risks Mm -hmm. it was after they blew up the the bio factory right yeah that sounds yeah and and then they got infected with whatever the the bio weapon was then they got Mm -hmm. sicky sick they sure did but yeah (laughs) no it's i you're you're so right miranda and it's like to me it's really evocative of vietnam particularly coyote that plan where the bio facility was because it's like it's jungle atmosphere they're on this like mission that they like are being told from on high that it's a good idea, but they don't understand how it fits into the larger plan because nobody's bothered to explain it to them. And they're exposed to bioweapons and then the pickup doesn't come and they get abandoned. And it's this whole, it's this whole like feeling of hopelessness and being lost that like, I feel like is very common in Vietnam war literature, you know, of, of that era. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even, I, I think you, again, hit the nail on the head there. Like, they are feeling very hopeless, which 
I think is another point um, to the fact that this is not the upper echelons of the rebellion where like they can look down at like all of these individual battles and say like, okay, well this was the outcome. This is the purpose that it served. Rebellions are built on hope. It's like, no, the people fighting this don't have any fucking hope because they're just in a war zone all the goddamn time. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm interested to get both of your opinions on the, um, what's the guy's name? Howl or whatever the Mm -hmm. fuck they call the, yeah. Um, is he a captain? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He um, is. He's a, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but he's the captain of the the company. He's yes. the the rebel army captain, not a naval captain, which are correct. In Star Wars, rankings seem to be or ranks seem to be very <laughs> fluid, fast and loose. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like, none of it makes any sense, but functionally, like for an army situation the captain is like a much lower rank so he's like just commanding the the company he's not like in charge of the ship they're on or anything i i i don't know i think (laughs) i think he is primarily an army captain however i do think that twilight company has been given the thunder strike so i think effectively he is also captain of the thunder strike by nature of being the highest ranking official on the ship but I agree with you that it, he seems more like captain in the army than the navy. Follow for more military yelling. Yes, <laughs> yes. Follow <laughs> at Bookworms Pod while uh, we are unsupervised for more military yelling. Um, but so he's the one that's like, you should do like open calls during like when we're on these backwater planets, right? Yeah. Which is so funny because apparently that's like against rebel whatever protocol when you say open calls do you mean for recruiting purposes yeah for recruiting purposes where anybody can join the rebellion <laughs> just has to like pass the the eye test yes <laughs> yeah or not even because namir talks about how he like pegs somebody as an imperial spy and yet that person still comes on board because they're like ah, eh, who the fuck cares just watch him yeah, and he also is like, oh, this child seems good. How old are you, child? And she's like, 17. And he's like, yeah, that's funny. Whatever, come on. <laughs> Absolutely not yet 17. Yet addicted to space math. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Space crack is space whack. <laughs> <laughs> Seek help if you have addiction issues. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I it's interesting to me that you compared it to Solo, Kristen, because I I did not immediately draw that conclusion, but actually hearing you explain it, I really like that description now. Well, and I'm wondering if like the people who wrote those scenes in Solo were like, "Oh, I read this in a book. <laughs> Let's make it consistent with this." Or not, I have no idea, but I love how consistent they are from a uh continuity perspective. Yeah, and you know, if you think about it, because, you know, thinking specifically about, like, what you were talking about on Mimban versus, like, Coyote or Hydoral Prime, where it is this kind of, like, trench warfare or, like, block-to-block warfare, it is kind of, like, it's, they are the best two depictors we get of, like, actual ground combat in a war. Like, we don't get that except in, you know, Clone Wars, I guess. 
Clone Wars is something. Yeah, but we don't get it in the Rebellion anywhere else because all the all the stuff we see in the Rebellion is naval battles. Yeah, I mean, and we assume there's a shitload of on the ground happening. Yeah, and not just in uh, when they're on Endor. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, oh, yeah, I, but like what we do see on the ground at least like in the films is Endor and it's somehow more guerrilla tactics than like we see even here just because of the the scale that's portrayed in the movie. Mm-hmm. So this um it kind of seems like, you know, there's there's Namir and Brand and their squad and then all these other ones and like okay, well they're out there doing their thing and like they meet up and again uh, not to belabor the point, but like the Star Wars that we see, the ground combat, it's like Leia's on a speeder, Han shooting open a door. Like, it, it's very limited. And I think this is a really good way of kind of introducing us to what the rest of the rebellion actually was. And it's something that I think in later installments of Star Wars media is like, yeah, like, it, w- it was really hard, like, it sucked. Um, but usually we're like, oh, they were on ships in space just firing at each other and did some cool shit. But it's like, no, it was miserable. Everybody hated it. Yep, they were fighting inch by inch. You know, both sides were were fighting over each little fucking planet to for resources and trade routes, and everyone was not eating well and putting deodorant on and all of that stuff <laughs> yeah and it's and they really were very similar on each side because like you know you think of in this where like namir kind of has this attitude it's like same shit different shithole you know like it's <laughs> like he has no idea why they're on any of these planets he has no idea what the strategic significance is you know they know that they're basically holding off the empire from getting to the overextended fleet and so he's like, this isn't even a strategic battle. We're just like, we're dying so other people don't have to die. And then you look at Han on Mimban in Solo. And, you know, the the major is being like, or the captain, which at whatever, is being like, is talking about, you know, their next mission and getting to their objective. And Han's just like, what's our objective? And the guy's like, to bring peace and prosperity prosperity to the galaxy eliminate the hostiles and han's just like we're the hostiles so it's just like there's no there's no communication down to the grunt level where these people are at of what the strategic significance of their role is and like you can tell that that's really that's really wearing on them because they're at this low level where like they're doing the majority of the dying and they know nothing why And I think that's something that really adds to the hopelessness of the whole situation. Because if you can't understand why you're doing it, what the fuck is the point? Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, Is that what we wanted to say so far about trench warfare? It sounds so shitty. They're like, we were wet and cold and tired. And I'm like, this sounds horrible. This is like when people go camping. (laughs) Do they have like industrial dryers on the Thunderstrike? I hope so. I hope so too. I hope they at least have boot dryers. Yeah. Because those are important. But I love it when like Namir's like, I just took off all of my clothes because I just wanted to see if I could dry it all. <laughs> Spoiler alert, nope. 
Yeah, when they're talking about, uh, they were talking about something, and they were like, if it wasn't so humid, everything would have been on fire. <laughs> it's like, yeah. sometimes DC be like that. Yo, yeah, fuck, you tell it, me about it, it. It started raining, and it didn't stop for three months. Like, it sounds miserable. Uh, you know, there's, uh, it kind of took me, like, a couple of reads of these paragraphs to figure out what the fuck was going on. But when they're trying to get off of, um, is it Coyerty? Coyerty. Um, when the transport doesn't come to get them, they're just like sick from the, the biohazard. They just fucking blew up. They're hallucinating. They're barely conscious and just like hanging out in the woods and it's like, what, what, what is this? Why is this happening? Is that when they were talking about like trying to pick up any comms chatter from anyone, <laughs> or was that before? It doesn't really. I matter. don't really remember. I think, I think the point. Well, and th- I think that's like another way. It's reminiscent of war literature. You like how many times have the three of us said, "I don't remember if it was in this part or this other part that this specific thing happened." Um, it's all the fucking same. Same shit, different shithole. Yeah, that's super fucking real. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say about this is that, like, obviously we've we've talked about it, but this is a, like a very different kind of story because, like, there aren't like all the other stuff, anything else in Star Wars. There's heroes, right? Like, you've got. Obviously, your big four, you've got Luke, Leia, Han, Lando. You've got your Nora Wexleys and your Wedge Antilles and your people who get the medals. And you've got your Ray Sloans on the other side, et cetera, et cetera. And you do, there are no heroes in this book. Like, it's only the grunts. Like, there's people who are, like, super courageous and, like, who do not get their due, presumably. But, like, there's no... We haven't really seen a Star Wars yet where you have these people who just aren't famous and they're the only ones there. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like, so in the, the aftermath trilogy, I think it's kind of at the beginning, at least we're supposed to look at Nora, like, Oh, she's a former, like current rebel pilot. Um, she, that's what she does. She flies and, you know, sometimes they get recognition. Sometimes they don't. But then it, like, quickly turns into she's getting, like, super covert operations, like, super under-the-table stuff to track down, like, Imperial um, admirals and all that shit. This is not that. Like, it could change by the end of this book and, um, you know, I'll eat my words or whatever. But they're just, like you said, Chris, they're, they're just grunts. They're... They're here doing their job, and there's no glory in it. Uh, there's no real recognition from what we've seen so far. Um, there, yeah, it, it, it's just kind of that's the whole shit. Yeah, it's like I mean, you guys, you guys both said it, I think, already. But it's it's like they are the people who are dying, so that the people in better strategic places aren't dying. And it's just like, God, that's so fucked up and just such a big part of war, no matter time, space, area, far away or near away. Yep. And this like this vibe of 
there are no heroes, there's only the people you don't know, is very Rogue One to me. And it's funny because this book was written before, this book was written about a year before Rogue One. It came out right around The Force Awakens. And so at the time, it was like completely different, right? Because like Star Wars, Star Wars doesn't really feel like this. Star Wars doesn't get this real, at least until Rogue One. And so it was like almost like a predecessor, like a like an intellectual or a creative predecessor to Rogue One in a lot of ways, even though it takes place after, just because you do get that ground level, these are the people, you know, mining the landing platforms, or these are the people, you know, laying down suppressing fire so that Bodhi can get to the master switch, like, or Bodhi can plug in, whatever. I've seen Rogue One. Uh, <laughs> um, but so it's just it's interesting to me that this is you know so that we almost take this for granted because Rogue One was such a huge success and like now we see the Mandalorian which looks like it's going to be really gritty and like down to earth or so to speak um, but this was this book was really the first time we'd ever seen something like that I think yeah you know this was Twilight Company walked so that Rogue One could run, right? Like, <laughs> sorry. No, I I like, completely there's... agree. And I mean, would I just think like would my opinion of Rogue One had have been different if I had read this first? Maybe because, you know, like you said, Rogue One was revolutionary, and so far as it's not, um, you know as pretty as it the star wars movies usually are it's like everything is terrible uh we're on these landing platforms and we're all gonna die at the end of this because we were not in the original trilogy um you know that's kind of how i'm approaching this book right now it's like fuck like everything is really not looking great for anybody um you know what this means in the big picture otherwise i don't know but I, I think it's really refreshing to read something that's just so different than what we're used to. Totally agree. T yeah, totally agree as well. Thank you, Miranda. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. Chris, when did you read it? Oh, what a good question. It was probably after Rogue One. Okay. Uh, it was probably between Rogue One and Last Jedi at some point. But... Was it though? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm full of shit. I, don't, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> Who is to say? <laughs> but but it um, definitely felt yes. completely unique and like was almost like a little hard for me to get into the first time I read it just because it was so not what I was expecting from Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, and now we have like, mul it's easier, I think, for me and Miranda to get into this because we have multiple examples of this kind of like warfare, ground warfare, trench warfare, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is, or not funny, but like, <laughs> it makes sense is, do you know who wrote the Rogue One novelization when the movie came out? Was it, was it Alexander Freed? It was Alexander Freed. Oh All right, we'll let Miranda go out on top. 
and end it there. <laughs> a nice short episode. Look at that, Kristen. Yeah, uh, I was. I had to take point on doing the outline because I had 20 minutes after work. So you're welcome, listeners. Way to go, Miranda. <laughs> this episode brought to you by at Real Baby Bird. Uh, thank you for listening to episode 86 of the Book Wars pod. Next episode, we're going to be continuing on with Battlefront Twilight Company by Alexander Freed, reading chapters 8 through 20. In the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, run this week by none other than It's Keeks. Hashtag I am Snoke. Hashtag I am Snoke. Yeah, if you'd like to follow our journey um for kate's deleted twitter from her phone so she's gonna come back and she's gonna be like what the fuck did you do i'm gonna have like two followers left by the time she gets back um but yeah hashtag i am snoke hashtag unsupervised pod yeah it's gonna be great anyway hit us up no rules twitter facebook instagram and tumblr at bookwars pod bookwars pod at gmail.com if you want to email us and rate review and subscribe to us and the tashi station radio mega feed uh, particularly on the iTunes store. It is the best way other than seeing us in person for people to discover the show and really just get trapped into listening is the way I see it. Um, but it's a trap. Oh my God. You're both the worst <laughs> and the best. Um, I will also note that we still have a bunch of swag from star Wars celebration Chicago that we have yet to give away. So if you want any of that, it can't be a bad idea to rate the pod all i'm gonna say listen mom has whims about when she wants to give things away and if you're not ready you're not getting shit yeah last time we gave something away the individual who won it had just left us a review like two days before and that's that's just the way the dice fell it's those dice that are in that han carries around yeah yeah are you han do you have special dice are you lando do you have a green (laughs) silop up your sleeve i don't think so so better fucking review the pod anyway also if you have the means and are so inclined please donate to the tashi station radio patreon and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookhorsepod it really does help us cover our hosting and production costs our theme song is whiz bang by poddington bear our logo and artwork are by joe butera design for Kristen and miranda uh i'm chris thank you for listening to our very special kate free episode of the book wars pod if she hasn't murdered us all from greece we'll be back next week kate was on a couple other panels one on toxicity and fandom one on um wow something else i just completely blanked what kate's other panel was now you know how i feel all the time (laughs) i know right (laughs) on everything (laughs) yo cut this out (laughs) um i will remember it give me a sec kate was on a couple different panels uh as well one on toxicity in fandom and then the other one on fuck i really thought i was gonna get (laughs) it